Hi everyone, I'm Stephanie Soderstrom with the Food for Faith team and I am here today talking with my good friend Chelsea Lampin who is one of the pastors at Fairview Reformed Church in Fairview, Illinois. Chelsea, today we are talking about faith and food and where we get our food, specifically um, gardening and local food. So tell me a little bit about, about you and your relationship with food and cooking. How did that get started for you? Yeah, hey Steph, um, this is one of my very favorite subjects. So when you told me this podcast can be long, that's okay. <laughs> I grew up with a family who every fall we would pick corn together and um, the beef that we ate always came from my uncle or my grandma's grandpa's farm and the pork that we ate came from the other side and the chickens that we ate, my grandma had raised. Um, and we had a garden with tomatoes and, um, it was all very Midwest food. And as I grew, I grew to love food from different cultures. And so that only made my desire to know more foods outside of the Iowa staples. Um, but yeah, I think that my love for food started very young. And then um, when I went to seminary and lived by myself, I had to learn how to cook. And it was really nice because there were lots of students that lived off campus. And then we would eat together at our at my apartment. And I learned so many different things of how to cook then. And it is just snowballed in a beautiful way to be something that is a source of great joy for me. And it is something that I love serving God through the food that we put on the table and the food that we grow. So yeah, it's definitely not just like count your calories. It's this was provided by God and it is glorifying to God of what we eat. That doesn't mean that we don't eat like hot dogs and mac and cheese because we're real people. So <laughs> Yeah. And you have, and you have kids and they eat the real food that you grow in your garden. So talk a little bit about like you've had, you know, this sort of local food sourcing thing since you were small and now you have a garden. What sort of compelled you to start growing food yourself? Yeah, great question. So when we lived in Holland, of course, we were by the beautiful farmer's market and, uh, I miss that ever since we've moved anywhere else. And Fairview is a town of 500 people, which is quite wonderful. And we live by a couple of markets that are half an hour away. Um, but honestly, during COVID, we, my husband and I, Jeff, we were just talking about ways that we can be more locally sourced and have um, food that we didn't have to go to the grocery store for. And I had a strong interest in learning how to can too. And so we just started two years ago, or last year and it just grew and it was awesome. So then, and Steph, you're totally a part of this story. Then at the end of last year, Steph and I got this great idea that we're like, let's plant seeds in our basement because let's see it go full circle. <laughs> and so we did. And it, I mean, it's, it's funny to like plant seeds and never have done that before and you start out and you see these beautiful tomatoes and ground cherries and then 
half of the tomato plants never grow and you only get one ground cherry plant and then <laughs> you wish that you had more ground cherries because they taste amazing and you have six red pepper plants but zero like normal bell peppers so it's it's still it's just a really fun experiment and we we're learning this year I feel like our garden we've tripled the size of it this past year and we're learning a ton and on top of it I'm pregnant and so it's really hard to get out in the garden right now <laughs> so we, we get a lot of tomatoes and sometimes beans get neglected and it's okay yeah okay yeah yeah <laughs> I heard you say um we started and it just grew and and that made <laughs> yeah. me think yeah the the things that we have planted that you planted they they yeah. do in a sense they just grow um, yeah. And we're not in control of that, but mm-hmm. um, but they do just grow. But also, your garden got so much bigger. You know, you you planted yeah. so much more in the last year. What is that teaching you? Like, what are you learning about faith and how God mm. works from just sort of trying things and watching things grow? Yeah, I think that you have to have so much faith in in God growing it because I and we have so many farmers in our congregation, and I feel like growing the garden in a small way helps me connect with them because they're praying for rain at the same time that I'm praying for rain so I don't have to use a hose um and I'm praying for sunshine at the same time that they're praying for sunshine but not too much because I don't want them to scorch my blueberries or you know things like that and it's so it's such a walk of faith I can it's makes so much sense to me why Christ uses the garden and growing and cultivating and um, how it's 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 from the beginning um, in Genesis, but Christ uses that in so many of his parables because one, the people understood it, and two, it's such a great analogy for us that there is there is patience and there is perseverance in the garden. There is abiding that happens. You you love the plants, and I mean, I love our plants, I really do, but I don't get to like watch them grow I don't get to I mean the zucchinis just come you know you don't like they're suddenly way too massive yeah um but they they're the whole like John 15 of God ask Christ asking us to abide in him and he abides in us and um those plants watching the zucchini abide within their plants and growing and then we get to be the bearers of that fruit we get to see it and eat it um there's so much to learn from the garden and um, I feel like last year, one of the biggest things that I learned was even just like, anxiety is not going to help. So just don't don't stress out about those plants because God's got them covered. And that was one of the biggest things that I learned last year. And then this year, I'm really learning about abiding and God providing and sustaining. So Yeah. So speaking of zucchini that come on like super fast... Which, like, friends, if you have had a garden with one zucchini plant, you know that they just suddenly appear overnight. And they're gigantic. And they're so huge. Yeah. (laughs) If it shows up and you think, oh, that looks good, but I'll pick it tomorrow, tomorrow it's going to be gigantic. Too late. So, too late. But, so how are you using all of this zucchini, like, you know, we love recipes on food for faith. We love sharing ways that we can um, nourish our bodies while we're nourishing our souls and our faith. What, what 
ways do you use all those zucchinis that come off of your zucchini plant? Um, When they're, so we really love to use the zucchini and I slice it thin. Okay, I am not a much person for like gadgets, but praise God for the food processor. Yeah. And um, so slicing it thin and then roasting it for zucchini spaghetti, essentially. And Mm -hmm. um, my kids eat the zucchini, which is a miracle. So that's what I did this past week when I had six massive zucchinis. I shredded it up. We put it in the freezer and that's why we'll, that's when we get to have zucchini bread in the middle of February Mm -hmm. and we cube it up and really love to make Indian curry with zucchini and tomatoes and onions and uh, yogurt. That's one of my favorite ways to use zucchini. This sounds really weird because I know my family's from Iowa, but we would make spring rolls with zucchini. And I mean, I put it in like everything that to hide it too, because it takes on the flavor. So like tater tot casserole, yes. <laughs> anything like that. Oh my gosh. If people who are listening to this don't know what tater tot casserole is, or okay. if they know it as hot dish or some right. other name, can you, can you tell us what's in that so that we all can be informed? Okay. So my church loves potlucks and I was informed too, that everybody makes it different. Um, but I just do ground beef, which we get our ground beef from, um, for Christmas from my parents, from one of their best friends. Uh, so with ground beef seasoned, however you want it seasoned and then shredded zucchini to hide from your children. And then, um, I just mix sweet corn, which we get from my family. Although some people are very strong about green beans instead and then some sort of cream of soup. And then if you're married to some people who like cheese in theirs, then you put cheese in it. Or if you're like my father who does not like cheese and you don't, we compromised and totally put a ton of cheese in when I got married to Jeff, which I am grateful for. And then tater tots on top and you bake it for an hour. <laughs> nice. Okay, so layer of ground beef, layer yes. of vegetable veg some vegetable that you appreciate in this casserole a layer of a cream of something soup and then cheese maybe tater tots on top like just like yeah yep and then baked in the oven it's like a whole meal in a casserole it's great it's so so good and so easy it's what I craved when we like lived overseas and didn't get to eat it as much so came home and I was like give me Iowa in a pan (laughs) (laughs) and that sounds like something that you could really easily make and share with someone who needs a meal too right Mm -hmm. so let's talk about sharing food in the community you talked about how in seminary you would have kind of everybody over and I was a beneficiary of those lovely meals at Chelsea's apartment in seminary you you know you have a passion for hosting people, for feeding people, mm-hmm. for caring for people through food. Um, talk about talk about what the last year has looked like for you mm-hmm. um, in, yeah. in caring for people through food. I know that you've done you've done a lot even though it's been a pandemic. Yeah. yeah, cutting off um, potlucks at church has been <laughs> when, like shot through the heart for some of us that just love potlucks but um, We've brought, yeah, we, at the beginning of COVID, there were a couple of us who made a bunch of lasagnas, some of them gluten-free, some of them dairy-free, different things like that, and put them in the freezer. And when families had babies or surgery, then we were able to bring them from the freezer. Jeff and I, when we would go visit, 
um, that was something that came from the church, but it was able to give food uh, or giving, I don't know, like a Bible study when I did have like 16 zucchini that were massive, bringing them to Bible study and being able to share was really wonderful. Uh, during a couple months ago, our community was hit by a tornado. And so I'm pregnant and I couldn't go out and carry the sticks and the stuff to help clean up. And it was just every single property had a mess and power lines were down and everything like that. And I felt like, what can I do? I don't feel like I can do anything. Jeff's out there helping chainsaw with different people. And um, then, and I'm also having a horrible time cooking during this whole pregnancy. It's like food aversions, which is terrible. But um, it's like, people need protein. So I ran to the store, which took a very long time because there were lots of power lines down and got a whole bunch of ham and turkey and we made sandwiches and put fruit and veggies together and um, just drove them around town, which was really good for us because then we've lived here for three years, but just getting to know different neighbors and bringing around sandwiches to different people and getting to talk to them, that's that's what ministry is, getting to meet around pe- with people. Yeah. Um, and, and we're the beneficiaries of food being given to us too. Um, I, this was so evident to me even last night in our supper. Um, so like I said, food aversions high during this pregnancy. And, um, for some reason, meatloaf, which is good because it's full of protein. My mom made a bunch and put them in the freezer. So we had meatloaf that my mom had made sweet corn from a church member, peaches for dessert from a church member. Yeah, broccoli from Hy-Vee and um, Caspian doesn't like meatloaf. So he had Swedish meatballs that somebody from our church had made and given to me on Sunday. <laughs> so it's just like this, this table was brought by so many different people. Yes. But I can track pretty much all of it of where it came from. Yes. Yeah. And that like knowing, knowing where your food comes from, knowing the people who grew your food knowing, um, having all of that local sourcing, it, it opens doors for ministry, Mm -hmm. right? Because you guys get food. Not only are you growing food in your garden, right? Mm -hmm. Like the zucchinis and the tomatoes and the, and the good veggies that you guys are eating right now, but you have other things that you are getting from other growers Mm -hmm. who are in your community. How has that opened doors for you? It has been such a learning experience, too, of learning about different types of foods from different people. But it's just, it's so good. Like, I came back from, we came back from vacation last week. And you kind of, as a pastor, expect to get calls of, like, oh, my goodness, this committee needs to do this. Or we forgot about this. or But the first two messages I got when I got back were, we have sweet corn. Do you want some? And Yes, that is I a have, great have, message. Yeah. <laughs> and I have peaches. They're kind of hard, and they're they're from my tree, and they're not pretty, but do you want them? And I'm like, yes. yes. <laughs> it just, it it provides others a chance to love you and you a chance to receive. And yes. it's just giving and receiving of, they planted and um, they get to give it to me, which um, yeah. receiving is something that we also need to learn about as Christians. And so um, I think that that's one of the biggest parts 
of, of opening doors and then getting to receive some things and getting to give and learning about what people um, <laughs> don't don't like and do like. Um, it's it's been enjoyable to learn those things and like write it down and remember. Okay, Bill loves raspberries, or Sharon loves peaches. You know these things of like remembering about your people. Um, that's a gift that you can give to them. So yeah. So what encouragement would you give to people who are thinking, man, I would love to know where my food comes from. I would love to get food closer to home. Or maybe I want to start a garden next summer, like this summer, I'm just, I've been thinking about it and I want to, what, like, what encouragement would you give people? And what would you say, like, what's just the best about gardening and knowing the, the, the local, um, provenance, like where your local food is coming from? Yeah. So advice, um, is start really small and you, cause it's super easy to get overwhelmed Right. Yeah. Cause you look oh, at your yeah. table and you're like, oh, all these things came from so far away. Um, so you just start small. What do I know for a fact that I can get right around here? And then, um, try not to be overwhelmed by that. Uh, during the winter when nothing grows except for potatoes, really and kale, um, that's the good time to start reading about what actually grows in your seasons, because that looks different between, I mean, I love, there's Deborah Madison who writes a lot of books about eating in season, but she lives in California. And so she talks about these things and I'm like, that just doesn't grow in Iowa or Illinois. Um, so knowing what yeah. grows in your actual season. Yep. And the winter is a perfect time to be looking at that. Um, and then thinking about, okay, so I learned that strawberries come in the spring. Buy them when they're on sale if you don't grow them because strawberries take a couple oh, years to yeah, grow. Yeah. Buy them when they're on sale from somebody local or organic. I mean, if, you, if you're not by a farm, the likelihood then that you live in a place that's closer to something that has organic food is higher. Um, and then figure out a way to preserve it in the freezer yeah. or in canning. Um, yeah. And I'm just going to plug, I'm just going to plug the preserving by the pint book for people who oh are gosh. interested in canning, but are like really scared that they don't have space for cans yeah. or that it's going to take too much time. Um, we've both been using that book and, um, I just completely forgot the author's name. No, it's okay. Um, it's um, a fabulous Marissa. Book. Yes. Marissa McClellan. Yeah. She wrote, um, several books on canning, but preserving by the pint makes you like two jars of a jam yeah. or two jars of something. And that is totally doable for people who are thinking about saving something in season for later in the year. Yeah. Love her books. And she's funny too, yeah. which makes it better. <laughs> um, but yeah, learning about those sorts of things and then buying blueberries when they're really on sale and free, just put them in your freezer. But then you slowly start appreciating and learning more about that. And then um, gardening, honestly, Steph and I, gardening together yep. and being able to do that together. So we both have the same kind of tomatoes going on. It's like, how are your tomatoes looking? Well, they're looking, you know, just, just doing it with a friend yes. makes it a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. And 
And we're learning uh, together, right? Like we totally are. I'm like freaking out and asking you questions and then you're texting <laughs> me pictures of something and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, like that's amazing. So having, having yeah. a community and you don't have to start with a big in the ground garden, right? You can start no. with, you can start with two tomato plants on your patio. Yep. 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 Super tomatoes are super easy. Um, you know, just like learn about which ones like sugar peat, sugar snap peas. So easy. It's yeah. pretty difficult to kill those. I kids did like them. though. So take heart. If you've killed them, me too. <laughs> Sorry, stop. That's okay. <laughs> That's what happens, right? Like we, we try something and then we right. learn and then we'll try again later. Yeah. That's gardening is this whole yeah. exercise in patience totally. and experimenting and in trusting God. So, yeah. Yeah. Kale is another really good one to start because you can start it when it's cold and it, mm-hmm. that one is pretty easy to put in a lot of things too. Yes. But just, just be thinking about, and if you are a person who's kind of like me, who loves to read cookbooks, start reading books that are using, if they, if they're outlined by season, that just really helps. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite yes. books about that is simply in season. Yeah. Um, we'll link these just, books in the, in the podcast so oh, that yeah, people can great idea. Them. But um, Simply in Season or anything by Deborah Madison, but then remember she's in California, or um, Animal Vegetable Miracle. That, oh, Barbara Kingsolver. That book is a good just, one. I cried during that book. Full confession. It was so good. <laughs> I love um, it. I, that book was so good. It was great. Yeah. So if you're looking for books that are in season locally, those are good books. If you're looking for books that... Um, how to, I don't know. I, I have started reading more books that are by parents because they actually yeah. have little people to feed. Yeah. So be thinking in that vein too. Look yeah. at if the author is a parent. And um, yeah. I really like books. There's one by Julia Tertian and Nadia Hussein. They both are books about um, cooking, but then cooking extra and then putting it in the freezer. So, okay, I made this, but I don't have to make it 13 times. I can make it. And here's three, two extra meals in the freezer. Yes. And those are good for sharing or for using later. Yes. For sharing huge. Yeah. You can just give it to them frozen. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, One one thing that you asked Steph about, um, you said too, like, what is the best part about eating locally and in season? Yeah. And I think for me, yes, I know where food comes from now, but it's just, there's a joy in praising God with all of it. Yeah. Uh, And getting to try varieties of things that don't, they do not grow in the grocery store. You don't get to find them in the grocery store. Right. Um, Steph and I are trying a new tomato called Salvaterra and it's a Roma tomato and it's massive. Oh, and I, yeah. you can't find those in the yeah. grocery store. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, there's but, so much that can that can grow in a garden that you you won't find exactly that in the grocery yeah. store. And I think um, the one thing that I, you know, I heard you talk about your kids who I love and seeing <laughs> that like them in the garden is is fantastic. And that could be like a whole other conversation that we have about yeah. our kids in the garden. But think about what your family likes to eat like if you don't like tomatoes it doesn't matter that they're easy to grow don't grow them grow what you like yeah 
and give plenty of space. Yes. Our family loves peppers. Don't crown the peppers. <laughs> but just you learn, you 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 just slowly learn and you can there's so many apps and Pinterest and different things where you can learn about how the spacing of your garden. Um yeah. But totally right, Steph. Like we don't really go for jalapeno peppers. I mean, jalapenos, yes, but habanero, maybe. We don't do hotter peppers, so Mm -hmm. I'm not growing them. Right. We eat a ton of green beans, so we are growing them. Right. Um, We love sweet corn, but my family always bless them, freezes some for us, so I'm not going to grow sweet corn. Right. Just, Just learning. Yeah. And being kind to yourself. I love that advice. Be kind to yourself. (laughs) Like if your tomatoes die and then you have to go to the market, if you have to go to the market and buy seedlings that you didn't start from seed, who cares? Because you're still gardening and you tried a thing like that happened to me this year. A bunch of my tomato plants died that I tried to start from seed and, and I was sad and then I went (laughs) and I bought seedlings that someone else started and I put them in the ground and we have tomatoes. Right. And my seedlings that I bought from the garden are from the the nursery produce far more tomatoes than the ones that I grew in my basement. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm so grateful for you both. <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't matter if you it doesn't matter if you start things from seed. It doesn't matter if you buy seedlings no. or if you buy your tomatoes from somebody who lives down the street, right? Um Yeah. There is just something really lovely about um the creation of food that comes from the ground right close to where you live and the way that it connects us to God and to our neighbors because we got it from them or we can give it to them or yeah, all of those things. I think that's such a community builder. Yeah. Yeah. And it like puts you growing food puts you like smack dab in the middle of where God is creating and God is doing things. Um, we we know from Genesis, God creates and He sustains, and He He loves creation. And and then when you're cooking and you're making things that you grew, there's just something remarkable about being placed in the middle of that. Yeah, uh, that's joy giving. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> thanks for sharing with us about what gardening and getting your food locally means to you, Chelsea. I We will link to the cookbooks that Chelsea mentioned and the other books that she mentioned. And we're going to um, share a recipe uh, for some sort of a zucchini recipe, because if anybody grows zucchini, you know <laughs> you need recipes to use up Amen. all your zucchini. So we'll share a recipe for that too. And We're just so glad that you could be with us today. Thanks, Chelsea. Thank you. I'm so glad too.